happily. You know, I, it's a privilege to just, God laid a word on my heart, submitted it to Emsley, and uh, he said, let's go. So thank you, Emsley, for... Um, yeah, I've got a... What I'm going to do is I'm just going to tell a, a bit of stories, just introduction, just to uh, 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 ease the nerves a bit. And uh, then I'm going to give a little disclaimer, and then I'm going to hoi the word. Okay. And then we're going to respond. So, uh, yeah, uh, just a little introduction. Uh, my parents came to Mossel Bay in 2002. They uh, joined Livingstones. Uh, and uh, we've got still the old Livingstones members. I see you all. I know who you are. And, uh, yeah, they just they did, uh, they came in faith, you know. Um, they felt when we, we lived in White River, and uh, God spoke to my dad and said, move to Mossel Bay. He's never been here. We don't know what Mossel Bay looked like. And they sold their stuff, backed up their stuff, and they came to Mossel Bay. And uh, I believe their obedience was also part of the fruit that we all, uh, him and Dion and all those guys that came before. Um, <clears throat> so, uh, interesting enough, I was in Stellenbosch, busy with music and trying to be fancy, you know, wor worship and ministry school and training myself up. And whenever I came to Mossel Bay, I said to myself, I never want to live here. Who wants to live in Mossel Bay? Bloemfontein by the sea, you know? And uh, now we're here. <laughs> the most amazing place that you can be. And uh, I just remember um, just a short story. Uh, I, I tried to emigrate to Australia, you know? Uh, tried. Uh, my older brother is there, and he said, come, man. Just, that was uh, in 2007. So I packed up my stuff, and I, here I went, there I went, and uh, got involved in a church, a big church. And they said to me, you must head up our music school. So uh, we enrolled, yes, hundreds of students and, and built classrooms and stuff. And after six months, uh, the pastor called me in and said, uh, we've got good news and we've got bad news. The good news is God is always in control. <laughs> the bad news is you have to go back to South Africa. They denied your visa. <laughs> So they offered me a full-time job, but they denied my visa. So I came back. I remember Thursday, I landed with the plane. And as the plane descended into George, God said to me two things. Um, go to Livingstones. Because I, was, I wasn't keen on settling in Mossel Bay, you know, because who wants to live here? You know? I was already thinking of maybe I must take the next plane to, to America, you know, that sort of planning. Uh, what's the next adventure I'm going to re release myself into? And... Uh, God said to me, go to Livingstones and uh, start giving guitar lessons. And it was like weird. It's like, okay. It's so I came uh, to Livingstones and, uh, as a single young man. And then uh, when I was in Australia, I had this desire almost of, I said, it wasn't a prayer list. Or it was just this feeling of, Lord, I wanted, uh, you know, my wife must be a 22-year-old, blonde, blue-eyed, Afrikaans girl, you know. Landed on Thursday, the next Sunday. Guess who rocked up? Who came to me? Bless her. And uh, now I knew my, how, why my visa was denied. And uh, met Melissa. <laughs> Best thing that could ever happen. I haven't seen yeah, you know, such a beautiful thing like that in my life. Uh, <laughs> and uh, then we... We're a bit here, and Chad was here, in, 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 in uh, I remember that one meeting, and we spoke to Aiden about it, when Janet Brand prophesied. So she called us up when we were still engaged. 
and said, Henry and Melissa, and she said, you must be rooted in this family. And uh, we, Melissa and I, we had this almost fear that we're not going to have children. You know, this stupid lie or whatever we, and she said, your womb is fruitful, Melissa. And then her husband said to me, you're like Jonah, you're running away. And I did. I went to Cape Town, did my studies, joined Justin there. Uh, Mornay actually got me into Justin. I wasn't that keen. Let's be honest now. Let's, we're not religious here. Let's be honest. I didn't want to join Justin. Do you know why? Because I knew these guys were serious. They didn't play games. Andrew took God seriously. And there's not time for, like, you know, for sitting around and yeah, wishy-washy, mucking around. It's like God has got, has got a plan for you. So Mornay, being as unreligious as he is, spent time with me and said to me, you know, I had all these questions, all these theological questions about Justin. And then I would say something to him, and then he would say, let's talk about it, you know. He didn't give me a, oh, this is how it is, and, you know, he didn't shut me down. He just, let's talk about it. So we talked hours, and just the way he interacted with me, you know. And then I went to Durbanville, and they handed me over to Russell. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, and uh, so it's amazing how these three elders, uh, uh, my introduction with Chad was fire, you know, you know, Chad is fire. And uh, then Mornay was gentleness, and then Russell was his father figure, you know, and uh, this is all part of the preach, so don't worry. Um, so Russell took me in, and you know what I did? Justin had a manual. It was a green manual. I don't think we've got one anymore because of, yeah, for reasons. They had this manual, so I took that manual, went through it, and I underlined everything I didn't like, you know, or what I, I see it differently, you know, and all questions I had. So I came with my little book to Russell, and I said, okay, let's start talking. You know, not, just let's, I just want to hear. And he said to me, Andrew, I remember clearly, he said to me, Andrew, take that book, put it aside. I want to get to know you, and I want you to get to know me, know our hearts. And then we can start talking about the theological. And that made an impact in me. He was more interested in me as a person and my heart than the little disagreements. Or, and, and then we started a, a, a road with Russell. Amazing how he married us. Chad did the worship. And uh, uh, yeah, just did our thing. And then God called us to George. Clearly felt I was lying there on a hammock. And I've, God said to me, uh, would you please leave Cape Town? Because I love Cape Town. I mean, it's a place to be. You know. Salamos and all these amazing places. And would you move to George? I'm like, Lord, not really. But if you say so, I haven't got a choice. Of course, I want to serve you. So I said to Melissa, go and pray. God said we must move. And then she also found George. Packed up our stuff. Next thing we hear, got a job miraculously. And uh, we served in a Josh in Benny. Um, we're still small, I think 30, 20, 30 guys, Benny and Bob, in George, and uh, it's amazing. There, I, did, I still did the sound, and I played bass, and, you know, it's like, they, they really, we came at the right time just to help, and, and then when Chad came, oh, the thing exploded. So, uh, in, during COVID, God said to me, Muscle Bay. So then I knew, yep, we are rooted in this family. That's the word. That was the word. So we came, we submitted it to the elders. Chaz, like, uh, his first reaction, he wouldn't mind sharing. It's like, mm, we already left a, a couple, oh, we already lost a couple, now the next. 
And while we spoke, Chad started crying. And he said, God just said to me, you have to go to Muscle Bay. And the next thing is like, okay, when do you pray out? You know, just kick you out of the nest. And the next thing is when Muscle Bay. And it's amazing for a year and a half now and what God is doing in our hearts. And uh, uh, yeah, just I want to testify about that. Now the disclaimer I want to say, I'm, I'm just a normal saint. God has uh, put me in this church and I want to encourage you this morning. I really, I've, I've got a bit of a prophetic thing that I feel. So uh, uh, the second one is I'm preaching to myself. So please, I want to humbly come to you because the stuff I'm going to talk about is stuff that I'm also dealing with. So I don't want to come and uh, be a hypocrite and talk about stuff that I'm also dealing with. The third thing is I, I might say something that you don't like. So bear with me. You know, hear me out. Let's talk about it. <laughs> I know ask God, a full thing is ask God to speak to you during this time. You know, about your heart. I mean, it's almost no need for me to preach because... The worship and the words, I'm like, we can go home, you know, after Dion and go prayed storm, you know. And then all these words and the worship and Emsley and, and Talita, it's like one. But anyway, I still believe there's a response. God wants to touch some guys here. And I'm, I'm excited about it. And the uh, full thing is, uh, I might go Afrikaans word in, if, if I sickle, you know. I don't want to say, yeah, what's that word again? And I'm going to go it. So just uh, forgive me. That, uh, I, all, I, all, uh, <laughs> I only started up speaking Afrikaans when I was 11. So uh, I grew up in Poch and the guys didn't speak English there. So yeah. Um, there's three points I want to talk about. The first one is religion, religiousness. The second one is the heart. And the third one is obedience. Now, I heard I was lying in bed. I seated on the uh, leaders group one evening late. And I just, you know... As I calmed my heart, I just felt God wanted to speak to me. Almost just like God wants to engage with me on a, on a personal level. It sounds so spiritual, but, you know, God, I said to God, let's, I want to talk to you. And, and God said to me, it's the religious people that killed Jesus. It's the religious people that killed me. And immediately, I, it, it, it almost it gripped my heart, and I knew God was gonna, is, is speaking to me. And then I thought about the Pharisees. Immediately they came into mind. I mean, those oaks, as you know, you know, I read about a bit about the Pharisees and how they would operate. And those guys, as we know, all their rituals and what they did, they were the spiritual leaders. They were supposed to be the Moses and the Joshua and the David. And they were supposed to be men of integrity, looking after the people of God. That was their role. And what Jesus when he rebuked them, I thought, when I read the rebuke, I'm like, you got to be kidding me. Uh, let me read the rebukes. It's in Matthew 23. It's not on a thing. I'm just going to go through it. He said to them, observe what they tell you, but not the works they do. <laughs> That's what Jesus said to them. They preach, but they do not practice. Place heavy burdens on Others, and, not, not, and they're not willing to lift a finger. They do their deeds to be seen by others. They love the places of honor. They love being called rabbi, teacher. They shout the kingdom of heaven in people's faces. That's quite a hard statement. Hypocrites. This is loving Jesus, speaking to them. Blind guides. 
fools. You tithe, but you neglect, uh, neglect justice, mercy, faithfulness. Clean on the outside, but the inside full of greed and indul indulgence. This is my favorite one. Whitewashed tombs, but inside full of dead bones. Lawless, ironic. Pharisees wanted to do all the laws. Jesus said to me, actually lawless. Serpents, brood of vipers. How can you escape the sentence of hell? And the worst one is, when you find a disciple, you travel land and sea, and when you find a disciple, you make him twice as ripe for hell than yourself. And that is what God feels about religiousness. The guys that were supposed to look after, this is the harsh part. So, uh, And to soften it a bit, I want, this is what our God felt about the, the Pharisees. Now, I, I believe there's a little bit of religiousness, maybe, in each and every one of us. Maybe. Not as extreme as that. But I believe God has already started working in people's lives. If you hear Talita's testimony, that's incredible. Um, I, I'll tell you a bit about myself later as well. But um, I just felt Talita, if I may, I just felt that word Talita kum. When Jesus said to the little daughter, where's Talita? Sorry. Rise up, little daughter, and out of the dead. And I believe there's a new season for you of, of, of I don't know, just new life. Rise up, daughter. God is going to use you incredibly in people's lives. And your testimony blessed me. I really, really. Dion, your prayer. I, I saw a lion standing there. And also, I believe God is going to use you breaking those religious mindsets. I mean, your arms, you know, it, 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 <laughs> it, it, it looked like someone hit you with a wet newspaper on your arm, you know. Ari, what's happening there, you know? Did you sleep under a wet newspaper? So, God's going to use you mightily to break those religious mindsets, yeah. And I'm excited about you guys. And there's one guy, one guy still, Judd. Judd, <laughs> I'm busy giving words here. You've got such a, t a tender spirit. You're going to stand one day here and worship. You're going to stand one day. You know, I heard you once humming, and I wanted to cry. There's anointing. I see, I see you worshiping. I don't know. Paul and Michelle, I submitted to you. God's on your case. And uh, I also see just new wine being poured out. You know, while I see the dentist, a lot of things happening. Uh, 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 Tracy with the word, you know, new things. Stepping out of the, where's that uh, legend dancing with the flag here? That... <laughs> Huh? That, that's incredible. No, no, just don't. It's incredible. Just, just stepping out of the new. So I try to wear two different shoes. I don't know if you noticed. Yeah. And uh, I just felt, you know, just being out of the ordinary. You know, it was, I, must, I must say it was a bit nerve-wracking for me walking in. And guys were like were watching. And Greg was at least asking me, so did you dress in the dark or what's happening there? So <laughs> I just felt, you know. To break a bit that religious, you know, come on, let's let's be real, let's uh, and uh, yeah. So definitely, uh, religious spirit is a, is a front you put up for various reasons. Maybe a heart that's hard, maybe hurt, maybe seeking attention, maybe whatever the reason is, it's a front. And Jesus saw through that. He looked into the hearts. Because Jesus sees into your hearts. And that's the next point. 
what is the condition of your heart? That what, and uh, someone shared it also. Uh, who, say, who shared it? I can't remember. Uh, the condition of your heart is what God is interested in. Because he, he sees a heart, man. You can't hide, you know what? You, you can't hide anything from Jesus. So why do you put up a wall? He knows anyway what is in your heart. So why all the effort of building this wall and making life harder for yourself? And um, the, the heart, as we know, it's, 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 it's figuratively, uh, uh, it's basically just a, a concept for your, for your life. You know, your body, your soul, your mind. The heart is just a, a term that they used uh, at that time and uh, that we use today. It's basically your inner being, who you are. And uh, the heart comes uh, in uh, King James. It's 826 times mentioned in the Bible. And uh, it just shows you the importance of, of, of the heart. And uh, if from Genesis right through to God is going to knock on the uh, doors of your heart, you know. So for God, as we know, he sees through the heart. And, and maybe 1 Samuel 16 verse 7 the, so for the Lord sees not as, okay, I'm going to skip some. For the Lord sees not as man sees. Man's look at outward appearance, but the Lord looks on the heart. And then Proverbs 4, verse 24. Shall I keep the awkward silence or just shall I stand there? No, it says, guard your heart, yes. Uh, uh, so. Proverbs 4, verse 23. Sorry, did I? 23. Keep your heart of all vigilance. From it will flow the spring of life. And the next one, Jeremiah 17, verse 9. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. Who can understand it? Guys, the heart. We can see what, how dangerous actually the heart is. You know, because I also felt this morning, I also felt, you know, <clears throat> the religious spirit or that front actually camouflages itself. You cannot see it because it's a front. You, you know, you cannot see when someone really what is in the heart, and that's why they also use the term heart because it's in your chest. You cannot see it. It's there, but you cannot see it. And um, so um, what I wanted to say about camouflaging, sometimes the em enemy, we can't pick it up uh, because your heart is deceitful. So that saying of trust your heart, I'm saying never trust your heart because your heart is deceitful. That is why we surround ourselves with people to just have that, check that blind side. You know, how do you know when you're deceived? You won't know when you're deceived. So someone else has to tell you that you are deceived. And that is why we as a family open up our hearts because we can only, the elders and the leadership can only work with what they see. So if you close your hearts, open up, then they know what to work with. Then the healing and then the, the, the can take place and the counseling and, the, and, the, and we all need it. We all need it. I mean, from young to old, uh, continually clean our heart. They, they once said that, uh, you, know, you Christians are brainwashed. And, uh, and I, I just feel, man, it's good to wash our brains every now and then, you know. Because it's evil. You know, so uh, we are brainwashed. Because our, the, the world pollutes it. So every now and then, wash your brain, clean your heart. So I'm, and, and we do need crutches, man. There are you Christians with crutches. I need a crutch because yo, I need people around me to keep me on the straight path. You know? 
So I don't mind people calling me all those type of things. And, um, and, and, and how do we also know the hearts is uh, the Afrikaans say, where the heart van vol is, loop in mond van oor. So you can, sometimes if you sharpen the spirit, like these guys here, Emsley and all the prophetic, if, if someone speaks, you can easily pick up, you know, are they talking about themselves a lot, or are they, you know, there's a, here's a few uh, 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 signs also with um, a front. It's, you judge other people by their appearance, you try and God's love and salvation, outward holiness without inward transformation, critical of others' walk with God. Friendships based on ministry, uh, Christian duties without passion, position and honor, more than honor for God. So you want to be recognized by people, you know. Uh, identifying Christian lifestyle without Christ easily can happen in church, you know. That saying of, if you, what's that thing of you, in a, if you live in a garage, it doesn't mean that you're a car, you know. So if you come to church, it doesn't mean that you're a Christian. Am I right? You know, that, you know the truth, but not the way. The way of the truth. The specific what Jesus is guiding you. And uh, uh, project righteousness in a, uh, uh, project righteousness, but this inwardly anger or rottenness or, and, and so, and, and we all that do that because who wants to look like a fool, you know, who wants to look like they haven't got all together. So we all build this, this thing of, uh, but as we know, Jesus uh, uses the heart. And uh, the good news is, I've, I've, I've given you a picture of uh, a bit of doom and gloom, but the good news is God changes our hearts. That is the gospel. We are all, like Romans says, all have fallen short of the glory of God. But God changes our hearts. We need that intervention. It's when, when the disciples, Jesus, they spoke to them and they asked Jesus, uh, um, who will be saved? And Jesus said, for man it's impossible. For God, it's possible. Only God can change you. The, the, to be born again, it's something, it's a miracle that takes place. And that's why we are here, isn't it? Not to necessarily do all the things, but so that we can take what we have and share it to the world. And we spoke about a little bit about evangelism the one evening. And uh, it's good to have these crusades. It's amazing. It's a million people give their hands, hearts to the Lord and but the problem is sometimes they give it to the Lord and I take it back again. So what we need to do is discipleship. You have to walk that out with that guy. So if he wants to give his heart to the Lord, you walk with him and say, okay, let's, let's look. Let's, let's, let's build. Let's see what the scripture says, how we can, can work with, with shortcomings and stuff. So, so that for me is the most powerful form of evangelism is, is within the church. Now, if, if you do a little bit of maths, Let's say we eat 200 people, for argument's sake. And each year, you invite two friends to church, or you get two friends to give the heart to Jesus. Or let's say one friend. Let's make it one friend. So all you need to do is trust God for one friend. The next year will be 400. All 400 the next year, 1,600. Within a few years, the whole muscle body will be saved. And that's, that's what I want to, healthy hearts, healthy hearts will draw other broken hearts. And, and that is what God wants, for us to be healthy and not outwardly good, but inwardly fraught, like I said, Afrikaans word, but healthy. So what do we do when, we, when God changes our hearts? What, what does He require? What is the essence? 
Now, I, I read about uh, Samuel. Yo, that guy was a legend. Like, what said, what a guy, what a guy. That's Samuel, that prophet. So God woke him up and said, go and anoint Saul as king. And uh, he also he gave Saul an instruction. And uh, the instruction was to wipe out the Amalekites because they gave Israel a hard time when they first moved out of Egypt. They were the first ones to give them a hard time. So God spoke, wiped them out. We all know the story. For those, I'm just going to refresh our minds. So it's a, wipe them out for everything. And Saul said, yes, cool. He took his 200,000 men and 10,000 extra, which is quite a big army, marched to the valley, and then he said to the Kenites, okay, you were okay, to, you were merciful to, to Israel, you, so step away, so we're going to spare your lives, Amalekites, and then they defeated them. And, uh, but Saul didn't listen, he didn't destroy everything, and you know the story, he kept the king, Agag, weird name, Agag, and uh, some of the uh, sheep and the oxen and the lambs. And then Brother Samuel, God spoke to Samuel and said, go to Saul and correct him. Samuel went, and uh, interesting, Saul, he said to him, hi Samuel, be blessed. I did what God asked me to do. Can you, can you believe it? Lying to a prophet. Never lie to a prophet. He's saying, okay, but why do I hear the bleeding of the sheep? Why do I hear animals? No, but, uh, so, uh, you know, we, some of my men, and now we blame shifts, some of our men, you know, took it for spoils and want to sacrifice it to God, you know. It's like, want to sacrifice And then Samuel said to him, because you rejected the word of God, God is going to reject you as king. Obedience is better than sacrifice. And uh, those words, obedience is better than sacrifice. For me, that's the essence. That is God, uh, God's love language. Uh, Michael, what's that last line that you sang? What do you want us, our hearts? What? What do you... Say again? Yeah. What, tell us what wants to move you. Obedience. That's God's love language. Is submitting your heart. That's what he required from Adam. All I ask you, Adam, you've got everything. Just leave that tree. I mean, still today, I don't understand why he just could have left that tree. That everything... But it almost was a test of obedience. Because God is God. So he, there must be, even Lucifer, you know, he tested God and he failed. So God is God. So you have to obey. That's, isn't that also the essence of the gospel? Not Savior only, but Lord as well. That's a problem. We all want the Savior. Don't want to go to hell. But okay, cool. Saved from hell. Now what now? Will you accept me as Lord of your life? So now I'm, I'm in control. And I think that's where a lot of Christians, their wheels fall off the bus. It's when you start walking out this, taking on those in faith, you know. Like Noah, build the ark. What is an ark? It's going to rain. What, what is rain? You know. Abraham, move. You know, in those times, you didn't move. You stayed with your family. I mean, they didn't even have a Google map. Move to where? The promised land. Where's the promised land? Now you move. So he packed up. That's faith. That's that pleases God, you know, asking you something that you don't understand, because it's almost a test. You don't need to understand. 
Because God is God, He obeys. And, and, and when you've got children, you'll understand it. If you ask your son or your daughter to do something which they don't understand, especially when they're very young, obey because that's for your, it's for your benefit. You know, what, Dad, why can't I drive this fancy Ferrari? Uh, because you're seven years old and <laughs> you're going to crash it. Uh, uh, you're gonna, you know? And uh, it, it reminds me of this one, this one uh, teenager. You know, he's, got it, he's 18 and he got his car license and finished school and he grew like a long hair. You know, and he said, Dad, I want a car, please. Could you help me buy a car? And, but the dad was quite old school, you know. He didn't like this long hair vibe and stuff. And he said to him, okay, if you cut your hair, like, we can organize a car for you. And then uh, <coughs> the son went back, very clever, came back to his dad and said, dad, I just want to say that uh, Jesus had long hair, you know, Samson had long hair. And dad said, exactly, that's why they had to walk everywhere they wanted to go. <laughs> so... Talking about the car and obedience. And um, I've got a friend. Uh, yeah, I only have one friend. Huh? I've got a friend in, in Devonville. <coughs> and he, God asked him something very specific. Okay, so the formal part is over. Now I'm going to do some stories. Now you guys need to listen. You need to maybe, I ask you, maybe God is speaking to you about something or area in your life. This guy, this guy. He went into business, so he got radically saved from drugs. Also, looked like he slept on the a wet newspaper, you know, and and stuff. And uh, I'm just teasing you guys. So. Um, <coughs> I used to call him Natkurant, <laughs> and uh, he God saved him out of heavy drugs and everything. And uh, and uh, he he was in a, a business partnership with a unequally yoked. So the guy was an unbeliever. And, and it sort of, it bothered him. It, it actually affected his spiritual life, you know, this whole unequally yoked thing. And God said to him, okay, would you sell your half to the business partner? And because you're newly saved, I want to work with you for, so for the next year, I don't want you to work. I want you to spend time with me to um, just reset your pause and everything. So out of faith, he sold his half for next to nothing. He got, I mean, the guy couldn't really afford it, so he sort of made a deal with him where he lost a lot. And for a year, he didn't work. He worked on reading the Bible, getting his heart ready, you know, resetting all those old habits. I had made marriage problems and lots of uh, alcohol, and it was, it was hectic. And um, God did something amazing with him. He spent time with the elders. He spent time with the saints. God resetted him. And then he started a new business. God blessed him so much. His ex-partner lost his business and ended up starting working for him as an employee. That's how God changed the whole obedience. Would you trust me? Would you give up what I ask you to give? Now, that's heavy. I don't want to... That was his conviction. I'm not just... Maybe there's something small in your life that is hindering you. And, and I believe God wants to deal with it. You know, at the end of the day, we all know Corinthians. Uh, you don't have to beat it up. Uh, it says five things. If you speak the, okay, it's fine. If you speak tongues of men and angels, you know that thing. Prophetic powers. Now, tongues of angels, I'm like, wow. That's what, I haven't experienced something like that. But that's, that's wonderful. But I mean, even if you do that, 
prophetic powers, understand all the mysteries, move mountains, give all you have to the poor. The next one. Uh, and burn your body up. But you haven't got love. You've got nothing. And I believe that love is that personal, 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 submissive heart to God. You can do all these outwardly things, but inwardly, work out your own salvation. There's specific stuff that God requires of you. And let's ask God, what is it, Lord? What, what displeases you? What can I do to, 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 to please you and, and um, change little stuff? And not religiously. I mean, if you looked at Jesus, he broke all the traditions. Uh, his first miracle turned water into wine. I mean, how insane is that? You know, the, the story where he made a little mud clay thing and he put it on his guy's eyes. I mean, that's, I, I, I was just imagining the Pharisees standing there and what this, what's this guy doing, you know. Spoke to Samaritan women. Uh, they, they picked grain on the Sabbath. Uh, he rebuked the spiritual leaders. Why did he do all of that? It's to please the Father. When he got baptized, why did he do it? Because of the Father. John asked him, why? You, you must baptize me. Now I need to be baptized. Because God asked me to be baptized. And uh, I don't know where you guys get this christening in the word. I don't know where they get it from. Because Jesus got baptized and the whole Bible is full of the the and um, that was out of obedience. He didn't want explanation of you know, what's the meaning of the water. And, uh, got baptized, and uh, it's an obedience thing. And um, even till the point at the cross where he said to God, "We all know that if it's possible, take this cup away from me, but yet your will, your will be done." And uh, <clears throat> that that religious thing. Just a little bit out of my own life. Um, I'm, I'm also guilty of that, you know. Uh, I've been growing up in a Christian home. And, you know, at, at the end of the day, there were seasons in my life that I almost did stuff because I had to. It's like paying your TV license. It's the right thing to do. You know, some of you maybe, and now I'm, I'm going to start stirring a bit. Some of you maybe came here in this morning because it's just the right thing to do. Just soothe your conscience. Some of you maybe came, some, because your spouse is bugging you the whole time to come. Some of you might have come in this morning because you know it's good for your kids. You don't really worry about yourself, but your kids get input. Some of you maybe came because fear of your com leader asking you, hey, where have you been? <laughs> Some of you, I can imagine Michael will be a common leader like that, uh, as in a good way. Some of you maybe came because you, you want more of God, but you don't know. You, you're still deciding, you know, am I in or out or just checking in or, and uh, just apologies for the visitors for being that direct and uh, I'm just talking to the, the irregular guys and everyone, but and I want to ask you, why are you here? Why are we here? Um, to warm the pews? I don't know. Not all of us, some of us. To have a lack of coffee and have a chat and then go. 
I believe there's something, and we've heard it many times, specific that God wants you to do. A specific, and even if you can't hear that specific, and you're not as spiritual as some of the other guys that see angels and everything, maybe there's something specific. Like, I want you to host come once a month. I want you to disciple one person for this year. I want you to join the worship team. I want you to deal with past sin, maybe, before you do all the other stuff. Past sin, to repent of that. I want you to make check your heart. If there's a religious spirit or, you know, if there's something maybe um, hindering you, ask God. He will show you. Um, and the heart of this message is freedom. Why, why do you want to Why does he want to make you uncomfortable? Just for the sake of that he's God and he wants to throw his weight around? It's for you to walk into freedom. He is knocking on that door every day, relentlessly. Till the day you die, he's going to knock on your heart. See, let me change you. Let me, there's more for you. When Franchot preached that the rivers of life, you know, that, that's one of my favorite verses in the Bible. Out of your bellies, rivers of life. And uh, so what is that thing? Let, let's search our hearts. Let's, is it offense? Is it, is, it, is it maybe mistakes that leaders made? Leaders also make mistakes. Is it maybe like Stephen preached last Sunday on a, 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 a father figure that, that hurt you or a, a, a parent figure? What is that thing that is withholding you to stepping? What is that thing for me, withholding me? 